Hello, and welcome to the Chest Journal Podcast, where each month we host a discussion with the authors of important articles from the current issue of the journal, adding context and commentary to the challenges facing clinicians in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce today's topic, here's your host, Dr. Alice Gallaudet-Marais. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a Chess Journal podcast. I am Alice Gallo, an intensivist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And today I have the pleasure to speak to Dr. Anne Cost and Dr. Fanny Lentarnier about their paper on improving diagnosis of pulmonary micromycosis leads from a contemporary national study of 114 cases. I'm so excited to talk to you both. And do you mind introducing yourself? Welcome. Thanks a lot for, uh, so I'm Fanny Lanternier. Thanks a lot for picking up uh, our study and we are very happy to be able to present it. So I'm an ID physician in Necker Hospital in Paris, uh, working at Université Paris-Cité. Uh, and also I'm the director of the National Reference Center for Invasive Mycosis. Uh, so working uh, between uh, mycology and uh, infectious disease. So thank you so much for letting us uh, discuss these results. Thank you for being here. And hello, I'm Anne Cost. I'm an infectious disease doctor in Brest, France, and I'm also a PhD student. And I um, um, conducted the work with uh, Fanny Lanternier um, uh, during an internship in her, um, in, uh, her hospital. That's amazing. I'm so excited to talk to you about your study. I learned a lot and I'm really hopeful our listeners can learn a lot too. And just to give context, can you both tell me about a typical day or a a week of work for you? And in what context, uh, clinical context, did you decide to look into pulmonary micromycosis? Uh, so thank you for this question. So um, uh, in the uh, infectious disease department in Necker Hospital, uh, we are specialized in uh, care of patients with invasive fungal infections and uh, immunocompromised patients. Uh, and we see uh, so patients from hematology or uh, from solid organ transplant coming for um, inf- infectious complications. And we see more and more mucormycosis. Uh, also, as uh, uh, giving uh, advice, saying uh, to physicians uh, for the National Reference Center, uh, physicians from other hospital call us to ask for advices uh, how to take care of patients with difficult to treat infections. And so we uh, frequently have questions about mucormycosis, uh, which is uh, emerging in France in uh, immunocompromised patients, including hematology uh, and a solid organ transplant. And there are still a high mortality rate, uh, about 50%. And they are very difficult to diagnose. And that's why uh, we discussed about uh, starting this study. 
And my typical day in at work is um, to take care of patients of the world, but also to answer to um, uh, the phone call de- uh, dedicated to counseling for other clinicians. And we have close links to the hematology world, and they call us um, frequently to uh, for help in order to diagnose patients with a fever of a non-origin. Fascinating. Thank you so much. And just for context, I work in our um, hematological and liver and kidney transplant ICU. So that's one of the main reasons why I was interested in your work and thought our listeners could be interested too. So thank you so much for this amazing work that you've done. So Tell our listeners about the background for your study and besides what you already told us that um, pulmonary micromycosis is is growing in France, uh, is more frequent in France lately, um, what what made you do this study? Tell us about your the background for the study. So, yeah, it's important to know that so mucormycosis is growing in France, but also in other countries, and it was uh, highly reported during COVID epidemic in uh, India. Uh, but that was quite a different setting. And as I told you, uh, the the data showed that there are still a 57% mortality at three months. Uh, and lung is the first location uh, in mucormycosis uh, uh, in Europe. And why is it so dif- difficult uh, to diagnose? Uh, because uh, uh, up to recently, uh, there was not non-invasive diagnosis tool for mycosis, so you needed to go for uh, pulmonary samples to do diagnosis when it's okay. uh, pulmonary location. And as those patients are frequently from hematology, they are neutropenic and uh, frequently thrombopenic. Mm-hmm. And so uh, sometimes there are missed diagnosis because the radiological presentation is quite similar with aspergillosis and so there might be a delay in diagnosis or missed diagnosed and we were interested uh, because of uh, mainly two two things the first one is uh, it will uh, diagnosis PCR on serum was di- uh, developed uh, by uh, Laurence Millon from Besançon in France, and we started to use it uh, quite extensively. Uh, she recently published data in uh, uh, in 2022, and so we saw that uh, it was uh, more and more used, and we had the feeling that it could help for early diagnosis. And uh, the um, city-guided uh, puncture is also largely available now. So we had uh, the feeling that uh, there were new, new diagnostic tools. Uh, we know in aspergillosis uh, that according to patients' background, if they are neutropenic or not, um, the diagnosis va- value of biomarkers, including galactomannan antigen and PCR, versus the endoscopic uh, diagnosis, uh, differ according to uh, neut- patients' neutropenia, uh, which uh, was shown by uh, Berger- Anne Bergeron. And so we were wondering if uh, this kind of uh, uh, difference uh, efficiency of diagnostic tools and clinical radiological presentation could vary according to risk factors. Uh, and that's why we were interested to, to do, perform this study and to help to uh, do uh, like diagnostic 
uh, algorithm uh, according to the to the the clinical setting of the patients. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, it has been very difficult. Again, my my practice is is in transplant, mostly hematological patients, and it, it is hard to diagnose. So thank you so much. And um, share with our listeners how you found your cohort of patients, how you found those 114 patients. Okay. Um, so we conducted a retrospective study in six tertiary hospitals across France because of their large hematology ward and because they um, asked for, uh, for advice um, to Fanny Lanternier um, in order to treat their patients um, presented with mucormycosis. When we interrogated um, those hospitals, we searched uh, mycologists, hematologists, and infectious disease database in order to identify all diagnosed cases of pulmonary mucormycosis. This was um, a great work because some patients uh, were um, colonized with mucormycosis. So we applied uh, the EORTC-MSG definition for invasive fungal disease in order to classify patients um, in proven and probable uh, mucormycosis. We added to this criteria diabetes mellitus and trauma to um, host factors, and we also added positive serum qPCR assay as a mycological criterion. We uh, collect when we identified the patients. We collected data about um, their um, presentation, clinical data, rather, rather radiological data, but also mycological data and the positivity rates of diagnosis tool. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us how you found your patients. Very, very thorough. Um, so let's talk about your results a little bit. I was personally very surprised um, about your finding of a median 13-day interval from symptom onset to formal diagnosis. And again, I was personally very surprised about the solid organ transplant recipients being at the highest risk of all the patients um, you included in your cohort. So tell me about your results. Was there anything that surprised you? Was there anything that that corroborated what you already knew? Share your results with us. Um, so, uh, indeed, um, we described the burden of each underlying condition on um, pulmonary mucormycosis, and uh, we found that uh, 49 patients presented with hematological malignancy, 21% presented with allogenic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation, and 17% uh, with solid organ transplantation. We find a very low rates of patients with diabetes mellitus with as a sole risk factor for mucormycosis. We expected this result since um, in clinical practice we didn't see uh, uh, very frequently uh, patients with diabetes mellitus diagnosed with uh, pulmonary mucormycosis. However, 
we were surprised by the clinical presentation of these patients. Indeed, we observed a very long time between symptom onset and pulmonary mucormycosis diagnosis. In our cohort, 60% of patients were uh, either diagnosed post-mortem or in the ICU. Um, indeed, we, we think it's too late to diagnose um, mucormycosis uh, since uh, the delay um, to start antifungal therapy is correlated with uh, the outcome. We also were surprised by the huge difference between uh, clinical, radi radiological, and um, mycological presentation between patients with neutropenia and patients without neutropenia. As uh, Dr. Lantani said, uh, in Aspergius, we observe um, uh, more um, positivity uh, rates uh, in uh, in patients with neutropenia concerning um, antigen galactomannan assay, but also um, less uh, frequently positive bronchoalveolar leverage. We observe the same in patients with pulmonary mycormycosis with um, uh, 66% positivity rates of bronchoalveolar leverage in patients without neutropenia, but only uh, 30% of neutropenic patients had a positive bronchoalveolar leverage. On the other hand, qPCR was positive in 91% of neutropenic patients, but in only 62% of patients without neutropenia. So these were the main findings of our studies, but we also um, highlighted um, the high rates of disseminated form of humorcormycosis. Up to 14, uh, up to 40% of our patients presented a disseminated form of humorcormycosis. These results highlight the need to perform an, a thorough extension workup whenever mucormycosis diagnosed or suspected. We also were very surprised by the high um, rate of co-infection with Aspergillus. Up to 40% to 25% of our patients were co-infected with Aspergillus and um, it was more frequently observed in non-neutropenic patients as 36% of them were co-infected with Aspergillus but only 19% uh, of neutropenic patients were co-infected. So as uh, the main conclusion of our study is to suspect a co-infection with Aspergillus whenever you suspect an infection with mucormycosis, to perform a thorough extension workup to search for other location of mucormycosis, but also um, to interpret uh, the, the diagnosis tools you performed according to uh, the presence of the absence or neutropenia, of neutropenia. Thank you so much. Uh, indeed, very a lot of surprising uh, findings. So based on your results, can you recommend kind of like a diagnostic approach, a diagnostic algorithm, uh, to pulmonary micromycosis to our listeners. Thank uh, you for. 
And uh, thank you very much for your question. This is indeed a hard um, question since we this was not a prospective study and um, we couldn't test prospectively different um, uh, different uh, diagnosis strategy. However, um, in patients with uh, fever and uh, with a severe immuno immunosuppressions, um, we uh, rapidly performed a CT scan. When a fungal infection is suspected, um, clinicians should both perform a bronchoalveolar lavage and uh, we think also a serum qPCR uh, for mucormycosis along with um, uh, an, uh, galactomannan antigen and other assay uh, designed to diagnose other fungal infection. If um, either one of them is positive, uh, there is a high suspicion of pulmonary mucormycosis. However, um, in patients with neutropenia, um, Bal uh, bronchoalveolar lavage culture uh, is less likely to be positive than in patients with uh, without neutropenia. On the other hand, serum qPCR is um, very frequently positive in patients with neutropenia, but cannot rule out mucormycosis if negative in patients without neutropenia. So in um, all patients diagnosed with uh, mucormycosis, an extension workup should then be performed in order to identify dissemination to the brain, um, but also to the spleen uh, and uh, the kidney and, um, and uh, a hepatic localization. The clinician should also assess for co-infection and especially with Aspergius um, to, uh, because the treatment can differ between Aspergius and mucormycosis. Fantastic. Thank you so much. So high suspicion. Uh, try to do the diagnosis as early as possible to prevent dissemination to the brain, to the spleen, to the liver, and remember the high rate of co-infection with aspergillus that you also reported in your paper. Thank you so much. And has anything changed in your practice or will change based on your findings? So going uh, on for co-infection so we will really seek uh, thoroughly in uh, co-infection uh, the second uh, element is that we really do a thorough uh, workup for dissemination and if we have brain spleen uh, or liver locations uh, and we hesitate between uh, aspergillosis and mucormycosis it would be a very strong argument uh, for mucormycosis uh, then I think uh, according to uh, CT uh, interpretation, there was a high level of uh, angioinvasion. Uh, so we will really uh, be careful uh, to uh, do uh, 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 vascular evaluation in patients, mostly when they have reverse halo sign. And we will also think about mucormycosis when we have a cavity in solid organ transplant, which is not uh, always uh, usual. And then... Uh, 
for practice uh, really uh, use largely uh, serum PCR, mostly neutropenic patient uh, at the first suspicion and go for uh, BAL uh, mostly for uh, the non-neutropenic patients. In addition to what uh, Dr. Lantani said, um, in our uh, study, we observed a few patients with a positive um, uh, qPCR before any symptom. So um, um, maybe uh, another try should evaluate a qPCR screening for those patients because delay to diagnosis is the key. And um, we also observed a delay between the symptom onset. Uh, mainly the mainly fever and uh, the timing of uh, CT scan performance. Um, in uh, most patients, the delay between the symptom and the performance of the CT scan could reach 14 days. It's uh, it's very long for patients, with, uh, especially patients with neutropenia. When you have a fever of a known origin in a patient with neutropenia, one should not wait uh, um, more than two days before performing a CT scan, I think. That makes sense. Thank you. Any any um, final thoughts or any uh, wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with? Uh, yeah, so I think the first thing is to really think of mycomycosis as soon as uh, there's a risk factor like hematological malignancy or a solid organ transplant uh, on hematologic stem cell transplant. Or whenever you have aspergillosis and when you have that to perform QPCR in serum and BAL. How about you, Anne? Um, yes, I agree with uh, Dr. Lantarnier and um, I uh, wanted to uh, tell the physicians that even if uh, some uh, mini paper described a typical presentation of mucormycosis, we observed a lot of different uh, clinical radiological presentation of mucormycosis and sometimes um, when the first symptom occurs the diagnosis is made six months later especially in patients with solid organ transplantation but sometimes the disease is um, evolved rapidly and patients are uh, unfortunately uh, dead be before we can make the diagnosis uh, within a few days. Thank you so much. I learned so much from both of you and from your paper. So I want to thank you for joining me today on behalf of the Chess Journal and the listeners of the podcast. And for our listeners, again, I talked to Dr. Fanny Lantarnier and Dr. Anne Costa, and we talked about their paper on improving diagnosis of pulmonary mycomycosis leads from a contemporary national study of 114 cases that you can read on this month's chess journal. Again, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for invitation. Thank you so much, Dr. De Morales.